Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bring the Vegas gaming experience to the palm of your hand. Bet your favorite team, try your luck in a casino, or our poker room. The earliest sports lines and the biggest limits online. Lots of deposit options. Bet on live events as they happen. The next play, the next score. Get winnings fast or roll them into a parlay and win even more. Visit Bet Online today and see what millions of customers have experienced for over 20 years. On third and three, they protect Brady. Scans the field and lets it fly. It's Evans. It's a touchdown. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty. All fame, Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And there the cannons go. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Hello and welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I am your host, as always, Rhett Matthew, joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host, the Philly Bucks fan himself from BucksNation.com, Mr. Evan Wanish, coming to you live on YouTube for what feels like the first time in a minute. We are uh, we are breaking down last night's preseason game between the Miami Dolphins and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a losing effort for Tampa Bay, 26-24, to 24, but I'll tell you, outside of the game itself, We've got a lot of great things to talk about. Plenty of players showed up who needed to, and uh, I'm really excited to get into this one, not only because we are talking about Buccaneers football once again, but, I mean, it just moves forward a lot of the storylines from camp. It's exactly what these preseason games are here to do, and it's also an official sign that uh, Buccaneers football is back. So, Evan, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing quite well on this Sunday. I was going to say morning, but I guess it's it's afternoon now. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing quite well. There's finally some actual action to talk about, so I'm looking forward to that. So I, I know that we normally save the kicking battle for last, but we got to talk about the ending of this game because it's the day after. It's the morning after, if you will. Most people know how the game ended. 26-24, your final score. And uh, we'll talk about the drive from Kyle Trask here in a minute. But Jose Borgales makes a, what, like a 55-yarder earlier in the night. And Rondé Barber was really putting him over in the booth up there, saying he probably could have made it from 70. I I really think he's got that range. And by no means do I disagree. Like, it looked like it was good by a, a good, good bit. But, I mean, what should have been a chip shot to seal the game, make it 27-26. Put the bucks on top. Leave everybody feeling happy. Uh, from what, 43 yards, I think? 40, 49. 49, okay. Not, so not, not a chip shot. Not a chip shot by any means. But we, we talk a whole lot about this kid's range, and, I mean, this is the worst kick we have ever seen from him. I know sample size is obviously important, but if there's one thing we know after this preseason game right now is that the kicking job is certainly Ryan Suckups to lose. Um, At least that's my opinion because, I mean, I, I know that – I know that these preseason kicks are so important, and we've talked before about how they hold a lot more weight compared to how you do in camp. It's a stadium full of people. The pressure was definitely on. He was iced. You know, Miami calls the timeout. He makes the first one, misses the second one. It, like, it's just, it, it, I'm not trying to blow up or anything over it, but it's a, it's a, it's an inexperienced kicker kind of 
kind of showing his true self there a little bit. Like, I, I think he was feeling good going into that. And, you know, nine times out of 10, I think 49 yards, even with that distance, if you put Ryan Suck up there, I feel like he makes that kick. Does Ryan Suck up make a 55 yard? I don't know. Maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe. I'd say it's a 50 50 uh, shot. I don't so, think he's going to make it in the fashion that Borgales did that one earlier in the game, though. That's for damn sure. Here's the thing. Um, one, I'm not. Uh, so James, James Hill, we all know him. I don't know. I don't know if we love him, but we all know him. Um, but uh, he has said like he thinks that you know that pretty much like ends it, right? Like Jose Borgales missed that kick. That was his opportunity to really surpass Ryan Suckup, and he couldn't do it. So Suckup will likely win the job. And uh, I'm sure you've heard this from me before. I couldn't disagree more with him. Um, it's just, I, I, it's not over. It, it's why are we just completely ignoring the three extra points he made and the fifty-five yarder? Like, why are we just like completely discounting that just because of one kick that was just badly hit and it still hit the post? I know I, I, it's not like the, the worst true. kick you've it, ever seen. It looked bad coming out, though. Yeah. It was hit wrong. It was right. I mean, you hit it wrong. It comes out. And when I was watching it, my first reaction was ouch. Like I I literally was, I was feeling good. I felt like they were about to walk off and win this thing. And then that kick came out and it was what it was. I'm not, by no means am I saying that this kicking battle is over, but I think the biggest takeaway I have after that first game is that it is still Ryan Suckup's job to lose at this point. Like it's not Um, over. It's not I, over, I, but if Suckup keeps it, kicking ass, I, I cannot see a situation where the Bucks kind of you know, stick their leg out with, for Borgales. With, with how Borgales played, if if they if they choose Ryan Suckup, then Jose Borgales will never be their kicker. Like this is their yeah one yeah, yeah that's that's fair enough. Somebody else is going to pick him up because uh, he was good last night. Uh, one kick does not define you. I understand it was in a big moment, but a 49 yard is not a chip shot. It's not a gimme. It was just hit wrong. Um, you know, he made the, the practice one. I still say that whenever a kicker gets iced, you should never, ever make the practice kick. You shouldn't even attempt it. There's no reason to attempt it. Um, that's like a universal superstition. Like I, I, I've admitted before that I get superstitious when it comes to sports, but I think, 90% of Bucks fans can agree that you do not take that ice kick. You just, you, you don't do it. Well, just ask Cody Parkey, the bears kicker from that, from that bears Eagles game. He, he made the, the practice kick. He, they iced him. He made the practice kick and then the, the double doink happened. So you just, you don't do the practice kick, but um, I thought Borgales was good. Uh, you would obviously like to see him make it like, duh. But I also I don't think this kicking battle is over. From the sounds of it, it sounds like Ryan Suckup is gonna get most of the kicks next week in Tennessee. Uh, but they still have practices. They they still have two more games, and I don't think this is the last you've seen of Borgales kicking. I don't think like oh Suckup's gonna kick versus Tennessee, and then he's gonna kick versus Indianapolis. I think you're gonna see probably Suckup versus Tennessee, and then I think you'll see both versus Indianapolis. Um, you know, I don't think this is over. I do think Ryan Suckup has the upper hand. I thought Ryan Suckup had the upper hand going into this game just because he was the veteran. We talked about that. You know, he was the veteran player, and if it, all things were equal, they were going to go with that veteran. I will say I have a lot of confidence in Jose Borgales from 50-plus. I have, like, zero confidence from Ryan Suckup from 50-plus. 
could it happen? Sure. But am I confident in it? No, I'm really not. He just, he doesn't have the, the leg, um, anything over really. I mean, I think as long in a Bucks uniform might be 52, I think. And I think he's only attempted at me once or twice. Um, the other times that he's attempted it, he, he's missed it. Um, but you know, it's not, it's not over. However, you would have liked to see him make that kick. I think even if he even if he made the kick, you can't say, "Well, we're got us won the job." Bye bye, suck up. Like I don't think that's the yeah, case. Yeah, no, I I don't think that's the case either. And and by no means do I want to give the impression. I think I've said this a few times, but like I don't want to give the impression that this this is over. I think that's just unlike, the biggest. Unlike some, unlike some other. <laughs> I guy. just when 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 I come out of this game and and I look at. You know, Jose Borgales, it, it's one of those things where, like, when it happens in the preseason, all you can really do is laugh at it. But let's say the Bucks carry Borgales into the regular season. He wins the job. And, like, week two against New Orleans. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? Week two against New Orleans. They're on the road. 26-24 is your score. Here comes Jose Borgales from 49 yards out. Hits the right upright. No good. Bucks fall to one and one because we both got him beating Dallas, I think. But season I, prediction show little if, if that happens during the regular season and Jose Borgales is your kicker, not only is the hindsight is twenty twenty people gonna kind of you know oh Ryan suck up blah 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 because it's gonna neither be near nor there once that time comes in the season. But like if that happens in the regular season, that would be a hundred and ten percent worse than the Matt Gay thing back in twenty nineteen. Like it it would you want to talk about fans turning on a guy even if Borgales was perfect the rest of the season. And the Bucks still made the playoffs and went on a deep playoff run. Might even win a damn Super Bowl. Like people still would not forget that. He he's a good kicker. Like you know, like that's the thing. Like people were excusing Matt Gay and excusing Roberto Aguayo for missed kicks all the time. Oh, you know they're they're rookies. They're they're inexperienced. You know, oh, it's just jitters. I'll get it out. Just you know, just got to do adjust some things. They'll, they'll get it together. But now Jose Borgales misses one kick, and all of a sudden it's you know terrible. Like it, and I'm not saying you're saying that. It's just what I've what I've been seeing a little bit um, on, on social media, and I get it. It's the overreaction of social media. Like that's sort of how those things work. But um, to sort of wrap up the, the kicking stuff here, uh, yeah, it's not over. I was encur- I was more encouraged by what I and this is going to be a theme for today. I was more encouraged by what I saw from Jose Borgales than discouraged. That last kick does not um does not sway me in, in any way. I, I still I still think he is the better potential of the two. I think you know Ryan Suggs the safer option, but I think if you want to go with the higher ceiling, like I think Borgales could be the better the better kicker but it's also the riskier option because of that inexperience factor. Yeah, obviously we got a lot more time to figure this out, but I'm excited to see a scenario. I don't know if we'll see it in a preseason game, but I mean, they found some time to try it with Bradley Pinion last year where they trotted him out on the field and he tried like a 64 yard field goal for some reason. I'd like to see them in a position before the end of the preseason is over (laughs) to do something like that with Borgalas in particular, like, I know you're not going to trot out Ryan suck up from the 50 yard line and feel confident about what's about to happen. But with that first field goal he made from 50 plus and it just sailed. I mean, I know it was close. It could have, it could have dinged the upright, but I mean, from 50 plus yards when it's in, it's in, it's kind of one of those things too, but, and also Ryan suck up is not yet kicked in a game situation either. Yeah. 
So what happens if Ryan Suckup misses a 45-yard field goal next week? Do, do things become even again now? Like, you know, does, is it Jose Boyd? Sure, yeah. Job, I, I mean, listen, if you look at another week of camp that goes by, and these guys are both damn near perfect in the kicking period, and then you go into that second preseason game and Suckup goes three for four, and he misses one from like 40-something yards, then absolutely I think this is this is at the same level it was headed into the first week against Miami. Yeah, I mean, I mean you know, we'll, we'll be interesting to see, and it's – um. It's an exciting, an exciting battle. I, I think it's going to come down to that last week in Indy. I really do. I don't. I don't think the Bucks are decided yet. I think they really like both of them. I think they pretty much know that they can't. I would be shocked if they'd be able to keep Jose Borgas on our practice for another year. I just, I would be shocked. No, I, I agree. Think, I think that's an ideal situation. Every, well, I mean, Chris you, Myers. You Chris, have Borgas there. I, I sorry, sorry to cut you off. No, you're I, good. The kicking stuff, man. This is serious stuff. This is this serious is the business. riveting content. That's why it's opening up the show this week. Serious business. <laughs> um, shout out Robert Green. Uh, if you're listening, give us a give us a our buddy, our again. buddy outside yeah. leverage. Hashtag pay attention. Yeah, you got to. Um, and people should be paying attention to this kicking battle. I think they finally are. But um, yeah, it's I I think that. I, I am, like I said, I'm excited to see more of Borgales. The thing is, they don't really practice much this week besides pretty much two joint practices with the Titans. So it'll be limited. But like Borgales went, technically he went four for five. Like technically he made three extra points, made the field goal and missed another one. Like technically he went four for five. So. And, if, and if you hear about him missing a 49 yarder at camp, nobody's kind of burning the place down either. No, but I mean, and I understand the situation and the situation matters. Like, I think, especially when it comes to kicking, like that matters. But, um, yeah, I'm not ready to to declare this over just yet. And I don't think the Bucks are either. Before I we... think the, the ideal situation, sorry, is um, Borogales being on the practice squad one more year and then taking over next year. But I, if he's making 55 yarders, some NFL team's going to be paying attention to that. Oh, yeah, 100%. That's what we've been saying all offseason long, is that if this guy is on the practice squad, he's not going to last an entire season. But let's talk about the rest of the game. Want to talk about the quarterback. Before we get into that, though, we are live, so let's check in with the live chat. Our buddy Nestor says, good morning. Killa Cali Buck says, what's going on, fellas? Lots of positives in the unfortunate loss last night. Nothing says Tampa Trask looking pretty good. Super dimensional. Gabbert looked way more composed than Kyle Trask did. Said he looked trash. We'll talk about the quarterbacks here in a second. Pete Payne, the moderator from UK, checking in. Kevin522 also here says, what's up, guys? Hope all is well. It was great to finally see some game action with the Bucks again. And if if we got a pet peeve on something, I wish they didn't go white on white for their first home game in seven months. Like, at the very least... If you're going to go white jerseys, go pewter pants. I feel like that's kind of the standard we've set now, but it's all right. I'm just complaining. I feel like at this that's point. a preseason staple, kind of. Like, it has to be, right? Like that? Well, either- I, I, just, I just feel like every team, like I saw like the Eagles were at home. They wore white on white. Um, yeah, I the think Bucks the are bank- no strangers to wearing white on white at home. Like 2010, they wore that combo at home more than anything else. Well, especially in the preseason. Like it's, it's technically still the summer, so like. Yeah, it, it would have been cool. It, it, I, you know, the the preseason there's always time to experiment. So they did uh, red jerseys, white pants last year. I still am yeah. hoping for 
um pewter jerseys and white pants one quick note of why, why i don't <laughs> one quick note of why i don't think you're gonna get that though is because of the orange that's in the pants yeah there's no orange at all in the pewter yeah so i just it wouldn't look right yeah really quick kevin <laughs> our buddy kevin says just give the people what they want put vita a kicker there you go that solves all the problems here but let's get into the game let's talk about the quarterbacks first uh, the Blaine train is who opened things up. We got a couple of drives with him, found the end zone, Jalen Darden, touchdown from, I don't know, 22 yards out, about something to, like about, that. Yeah, about 20 yards. So, yeah. Yeah. so something that other people had noticed, I know they were talking about this on uh, on the Peter Report podcast as well, is that on that Jalen Darden touchdown, Scotty Miller was even more wide open than Jalen Darden was. He kind of had options there, but I wanted to talk to you really quickly not so much about the gain from Blaine Gabbert, but um, from Scotty Miller in particular and the rest of this wide receiver room because the depth was certainly on display last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, Jalen Darden was relatively quiet besides that one play, but that play is going to stand out, right? That play is going to um, definitely leave leave an impression, especially when I, I still think what was interesting to me was that Darden wasn't really getting many returns. Um he wasn't, I don't think any, like, I don't believe he returned any kicks. It was a lot of Rashad white. It was a lot of Kenyon Barner. Um, and I believe Kalen Geiger was returning some punts as well. Um, so that was interesting that he wasn't really doing it. And it may have been that they didn't want to risk an injury or anything. Um, but yeah, I thought he looked good. Obviously I'm, I'm going to discuss Tyler Johnson. Uh, I, I think that was pretty clearly the, the best receiver uh, of the day. Led uh, the team in receiving, if I'm not mistaken. Had, had six catches for 73 yards, uh, long of long of 22 yards. One drop that I know of, but yes, kind of easy he, to he had one drop. Yeah, he, he had one drop. Um, so I, I thought he looked really good. He made that one contested catch on that throw from Gabbard on the touchdown drive. Um, and also something that stood out to me, that not something he's done really in the past, he was able to to break a few tackles every now and then and get some yak, get some yards after the catch. And that's something I think if he's able to add that to his game, that'll give him a significant edge. Uh, and right now, you know, not really his fault, but Brashad Perryman wasn't playing with an injury. You have to imagine that Tyler Johnson is ahead of Perryman in that wide receiver depth chart. Uh, Scotty Miller was pretty quiet. I know he was wide open on that play. Gabbard just decided to throw the ball elsewhere. That's not Miller's fault. Uh, I would think that Tyler Johnson is ahead of Miller as well. And if he keeps that up, Tyler Johnson will make the team. We talked about how it was critical for him to have a good camp, have a good preseason. This is pretty much the perfect start. We talked about how he was really good in camp. And then you said, well, you know, the joint practice that I was at, he was kind of quiet. And I was like, that's been the issue with him. Whenever there's actual like competition, he has struggled, but, Last night, he looked really good. So let's see if he can continue that because if he can, yeah, there's a good shot that he, he makes the roster. As far as the, re- uh, as far as the rest of the wide receiver room goes, Kalen Geiger had a pretty good night, four receptions for 52 yards. Is it Jareth Stearns? Jareth. Yeah, Jareth. I was thinking it was Jared, but then I had also heard Jareth. So Jareth Stearns, four receptions for 51 yards, had a touchdown, and uh, that touchdown – on the receiving end from Kyle Trask. I think the best pass I've ever seen him complete in a Buccaneers uniform. It was nice. Yeah, the fantastic grab as well. Um, really a concentration catch. Um, yeah, I, I, I like what I saw from Stearns. I think, obviously, going to be tough for him to make the roster. 
Um, that's not his fault. It's kind of the nature of the beast uh, of what the Bucks have, but I think he's a prime him, him and Geiger could be two pretty prime candidates for a practice squad spots. So we'll, we'll see, but I, I, I think those two guys are, are two pretty good candidates for a practice squad spot because of what they can show, as you saw last night. Yeah, the major question starts to become, like, even if the Bucks carry seven wide receivers, these are still guys who would be regarded as on yeah. that bubble. So if they can find a way to make the practice, uh, practice squad, that would be great. But a good feeling for Bucks fans last night because you, you really can't say enough about the receivers who kind of showed up when I wasn't expecting them to show up. Jarrett Stearns was a stud for a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it start, like, it starts as flash during camp a little. Um, Kalen Geiger impressed me on on the the one first day I was there. He impressed me. He made a few nice plays. Um, but um, yeah, I thought it was overall just by you know all the receivers. You know, you, you had I think Geiger and Stearns were playing most of the second half. Johnson didn't play too much in the second half, but pretty encouraged by what you saw in this team's wide receiver depth. I mean, it could just be. You know, they're going to have to say goodbye to some pretty good receivers in a few weeks. So it, it's going to be tough. But, uh, you know, I saw this brought up on Twitter. I wonder if they would maybe look to trade one of them for, you know, sixth or seventh round pick. Uh, as we have a uh, a $2 super chat by Lummy G. Uh, <laughs> is, is, that, is that your guy? Yeah, that's my buddy. Actually, one of my coworkers, uh, Warren Garrison Lummy, if you will, from the Bubba the Love Sponge show says, hey, you. Thanks, Lummy. We truly appreciate your support. Glad to have you watching today. He's yeah, trying to so, get me to do work on my day off. That's why he's that's why he's throwing me some money on the backside. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Uh, I'm interested to see more of those guys. I'm interested to see, um, you know, what guys like Tyler Johnson, Jarrah Stearns, what can those guys – you know what, what what can they do uh continue to do because uh it's it's good it, it's definitely good but whew, man the bucks are gonna have some some pretty tough decisions here coming up let's talk about back to the quarterback room we mentioned the blaine train but he certainly went out there and did his thing five for five 56 yards and a touchdown his night was over after that so here is the man of the hour the uh i mean the the title of the show today the game from Florida Gator, second-round draft pick, Kyle Trask, a guy who came into this game needing to show everybody a little bit of something, and, and that's exactly what he did. His stat line for the night, 25 for 33, 258 yards, a touchdown, an interception, and a fumble. Now, you're going to look at those two turnovers in the box score and, and probably have an opinion about that, but, like, we can both agree they were kind of fluky. Like, the, like the interception in particular – it's give and take, in my opinion. Like, I can appreciate that he was trying to extend the play and find an open wide receiver, but it's also the risk that you're going to take by doing that. Like, some people say he could have just taken the sack, mm -hmm. and then uh, the fumble as well was was kind of weird. I felt like that was eventually going to be whistled an incomplete pass. Just wasn't the case, and uh, it, it is what it is. But what did you think of Kyle Trask's night? He, he showed us... Showed us a lot of really good things, and then, uh, you know, we'll talk about that last drive of the game here in a second, too, but I was thoroughly impressed, and we, we talked about this guy needing to show improvement, and that's exactly what he showed us. Yeah, um, on, on, on the, the two turnovers, um, that, that interception, while it was 
it was weird. It was definitely a weird interception. Uh, in the future, yeah, just take the sack. Just go down. Um, even if Rashad White catches that ball, he's getting tackled immediately for probably a loss of like two or three. Uh, so just just take the sack at that point. Don't risk another player getting hurt or you know injured or, or something. Um, the the fumble. You know, that, that's a combination on the, on the quarterback and the offensive line. I think any fumble like that is it's not just on one guy. Um, and and I still think uh, that he his processing was a little slow. That's my one complaint. However, he showed a lot of on his throws, a lot of anticipation, uh, the timing and the rhythm. You can tell the receivers that he has chemistry with. Uh, because a lot of like a lot of them were timing routes, especially on that that last drive, which we'll get into. But um, like you, we mentioned earlier, the touchdown pass to Stearns was like right over the shoulder of the defender. It was perfectly placed. Really, only Stearns could get it. Stearns made a nice catch, but it was a really nice throw as well. Um, Mikey says Trask was okay. Still think Gabbard is a lock for QB two. Well, we talked about that. No matter what Trask does. Gabbard is going to be the second quarterback on the depth chart. That's not going to change. Like, don't be discouraged by that. Um, because Gabbard is, if Tom Brady goes down, Gabbard's going to be the guy going in. Yes. Like, no matter if Kyle Trask outplays Gabbard this entire preseason or not. Uh, we talked about that a lot, that it's always going to be Gabbard. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I thought he was good. I was encouraged by what I saw. Uh, we talked about needing to see progress. Now, I will say, you know, what you see from a defense in the preseason is pretty basic. So I'm curious to see him again against Tennessee next week. Uh, I, I'm hoping he can go repeat, right? You know, do it again. Um, because what he showed on, on Saturday night was was promising. Uh, he needs to find that consistency. And he just, like I said, needs to process things a little bit quicker. He he was a little slow on some of his releases. Um, I feel like if he just got rid of the ball just a second earlier, you maybe could have had, you know, instead of the guy being tackled right away, he could have ran for an extra three or four yards. Um, so I, I think that and, and the interception, kind of the, the same deal. Um, even the, the fumble held on to a little bit, but overall, I mean, it's hard not to come out of this game and be more encouraged because you saw like that. That's a better player this year than what we saw last year. Like that, that's a better player, despite what we hear in practice you know, that that's a better player. I, I think some important context here that might get overlooked when people look back at this game in the long run is uh, those two turnovers it wasn't just two turnovers. It was two turnovers in like three plays. Like it, mm-hmm. it was, you know what I mean? It was very quickly a comfortable game for the Bucks, And then all of a sudden it wasn't. They were behind. They were trailing, kind of had to get I back. I think it was the game. Uh, two touchdowns in the span of 29 seconds. Yeah. And it was uh, eventually it turned up being 20 unanswered points for Miami. And the Bucks had to kind of get back into the game. But I mean, Two turnovers in three plays is enough to get any quarterback in the NFL rattled. And for a guy like Kyle Trask, I think he stepped up to the plate and he started to look consistent after that. We, we, we talk about the final drive of the game. The Bucks are trailing by two. There's, I think, a minute 45 left to go in the game. You're basically running the two-minute drill. Got a good opportunity to do that. And uh, I don't want to say he looked comfortable because I will agree that some of his mechanics look not as quick as they should be, but... He didn't look out of place, and he certainly looked like he knew how to help drive the ball down the field. 
those tough conversions, the uh, the third and the fourth down. Fourth down. That fourth down throw was really good. That's that huge. And, I mean, he really had to, you know, put some good placement on that ball. There yeah. was a defender, almost got a hand on it, barely out of reach, and uh, he finds his receiver. But, I again, that's just one of those things where, like, come that last drive, I was really rooting for him to get down the field. And uh, it, as far as Jose Borgales, you know, it is what it is. It's preseason. The final score doesn't matter, but Kyle Trask certainly did his job when they needed him to. Yeah, um, and I, I think, I think if this if the score was different, they probably would have put Griffin in. Like if the Dolphins were up like fourteen points or twenty points or whatever, they probably would have put Griffin in. But I think they wanted to see if Trask could run the two minute drill, and he did. Uh, that last throw to set up the field goal, I believe, it was to uh, Tompkins. Uh, that was a great throw. That was kind of, I think, on the broadcast, they said it was almost like a slider, you know, in baseball. It, it was uh, the way it moved. Um, I, I mean, a, a lot of my uh, – well, I mean, Pete in the tra- uh, chat says, uh, has anyone ever seen Rhett and Trask in the same room at the same time? I have not. Um, so you might have some some answer, just some questions to be answered, my friend. I don't know. I plead the fifth. No comment. Okay. No comment. That's, that's all we got. Um, so the world may never know if, if Rhett's maybe that's why, is that why we couldn't do a podcast last night? You were a little occupied. Possibly. I don't know. I plead uh, the fifth. Okay, I, okay. I don't know. I don't have, I don't have any answers for the questions you're asking me. Okay. Um, no, but I, I like a lot of my, um, a lot of my concerns with, with, with Trask are, are still there about the, the zip on the ball um, about like overall, like arm strength and being able to push the ball down the field. However, I, I like, like that. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off no, there, but you talk about pushing the ball down the field and, and a play that might get swept under the rug uh, was that incompletion of Scotty Miller down the sideline. I, I thought yeah. that was a pretty damn good throw. I think he should have a little bit more on it. If he has a yeah. little bit more on it, it's a, it's a completion to me. You you feel like Scotty can kind of run away and get under yeah, it a little better. Yeah, I, I feel like with a with a speedster like that, I would I would prefer to try and just throw it far and let him run under it. Yeah, let him try and catch it. Um, because there was I don't think there was there wasn't any safety over the top, so I think you could have thrown it a little bit. It wasn't a bad throw. It wasn't like egregious or anything, but I think it was a tad underthrown. Um, but I mean, like as far as like he doesn't gun the ball you know you're not saying oh that thing was a bullet you know um but like he looked better than he did last preseason and like that's all you can ask for and we talked about well maybe you know he's a better game time player than a practice player and that could be very well the case right like it it could be um we'll see uh sort of what we so we'll see what we see uh, from Tennessee we'll uh, see in, those, what we see. in those in those joint practices because again you're going to be going up against another defense. Um, I, I think I he got, he got an interesting question in the press conference. Uh, I forget who it was from, but he he had the the question was if it was an advantage or a disadvantage to having those joint practices with the dolphins. Uh, and I, I thought it was, it was a valid question because that could, I think it could be both. It could be an advantage because you're seeing what that defense is, but it's also a disadvantage because they're seeing what you are. They're seeing where you like to go with the ball, how you throw the ball. Um, can you run? When are you going to run? Uh, so I thought Trask looked good. 
he needs to do it again. You know, this isn't just, oh, he's good. You know, okay, all right, phew. Right. Like, you know, he, he needs to do it again, uh, especially since I, I think you're going to see a pretty similar quarterback setup next week that you did this week. Be Gabbert early, then 90 percent Trask and maybe Griffin gets in a little bit. But uh, the third preseason game, it sounds like a lot of the starters will play. So if Brady plays in that, he'll play two or three series. Gabbert will get two or three series and then Trask may have like a, a quarter or so. So like he need this next game versus Tennessee to me is a pretty big one for him. And he just needs to show that that progress uh, again. Let's talk about the running backs here. Rashad White. And uh, the sample size that everybody else had, everybody, the four running backs they carried out there, everybody had seven carries at the least. Keyshawn Vaughn had the most with 10. Let's talk about Rashad White and his evening. Seven carries for 32 yards. Didn't find the end zone. Also had a couple of catches on the night as well. But I will tell you, he was far and away the best looking back out there. He, He looked like a natural. I don't know if I'm overreacting. I probably am considering he was playing second and third stringers, yeah. but he, he did look pretty damn good. No, he did. And I mean, you know, I think they're, they're going to bring him slowly along. Uh, I don't think they're going to rush him into anything. Um, You know, that's why I still think, yeah, that like on third downs in a regular season, like it's going to be Leonard Fournette or Giovanni Bernard. Like, I don't think you're going to see, Oh, Rashad white just right in there versus Dallas. I, I don't, I don't think you're going to see that. Um, obviously I know it's, it's kind of a, a stale comparison now because it seems like everybody's doing it, but like his, his run style is very similar to like a Le'Veon Bell. Uh, it's patient. Um, you know, he finally runs, he finally runs like Alvin Kamara. Like it's so <laughs> funny to me watching Kamara because it looks like Kamara's not running at all. Yeah. It looks like he just is walking around out there. Yeah. And like, that's kind of like Rashad white. So like between the tackles and stuff, he looks a lot like a Le'Veon Bell waiting for stuff, being patient. That's a good and bad thing. You know, Le'Veon Bell was like one of the best ever at doing that, being that patient runner. There's some guys in the NFL that are patient runners, but, doesn't really matter because you gotta still pick the right hole and have that vision and uh and everything so there um, is such a thing as being too patient yes <laughs> you yes, know what i mean like a, like shades of a, a trent richardson back in the day like just yeah it, it wasn't dude, even so much might have the worst vision i've ever seen <laughs> right it wasn't even so much that he was being patient he just couldn't find the hole ever <laughs> yeah yeah that's um unfortunate for him but uh i you know and then as a, as a pass catcher he looked like a natural um he you you can tell that he's obviously done it a lot he feels comfortable doing it uh and, and i i do think you're gonna see more and more of him i think you'll you'll see more of him versus tennessee uh yeah he did look not really saying much because like the bucks running back didn't have the best day but he did look like i think the, the best running back out there and and for good reason i think he's the one with out of that room right there that they were playing with he's the one with the most upside he, he's been described as athletic you know what i mean and, and so it was a nice sight for me to see him out there shoving off defenders like every now and again, he kind of sticks his arm out, shakes off a weak tackle. It wasn't abundant, but stuff like that kind of goes a long way in, in just how natural some of these guys look out there running the football. Um, and yeah, I thought his mobility, I, I thought the way he just kind of waited around, not too long, but his style of play is encouraging. And I, I would say that going into this, everybody had high expectations for him. And uh, he didn't blow the world off. Uh, I'm sorry. He didn't He didn't blow the world up. Words are hard. He didn't blow the world up. But I, I thought he did look pretty good for a first preseason game. And I'm excited to see a bigger sample size for him going forward. Because only seven carries 
I'm not going to say it's a crime, but tonight seemed like they wanted to get everybody in there into the rotation. Gio Bernard, seven carries for him, 19 yards. Keyshawn Vaughn had 10 carries for 19. He also found the end zone. And then Kenyon Barner, seven carries for 18 yards. Could have been like seven carries for 30-something yards, but then had that holding call. I, I told you this before the show, but when Kenyon Barner broke off on that like huge 30-plus yard run, the first thing I thought about was how we were just roasting him on the preview show. Like, how the hell is this guy still on the team? And watch, he's going to put up 100 yards in the first preseason game, and I'm going to have to talk about it. But um, luckily, that wasn't the case. And uh, here we are. Your thoughts overall on the running back room? Your boy Sneak? Feel like he showed up? Or is that is that what you thought, huh? I, I knew you were pumped when he got in the end zone. <laughs> you were the first person I thought of when he crossed <laughs> the plane on a good uh... drive from Kyle Trask. Yeah, yeah, it was a good drive. Um, that was probably their best drive of the night, uh, honestly. Um, but I, I mean, I, I didn't think the running backs were great. Um, both teams struggled to run the ball. I think this was definitely a game where uh, both secondaries were, were kind of vulnerable at times, and both teams, you know, run defense was pretty good. So um, I you can't really take away much. Uh, I'm not sure if you're going to see Fournette next week. I think you will see Fournette at some point this preseason. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be next week or not, but um, I would expect – I I would I would think that you'd see less of Giovanni Bernard and more of Rashad White and Keyshawn Vaughn in the next preseason that's, game. I that's think why I was you know like, what Giovanni Bernard is. So. I was surprised to see Gio get as many carries as he was. I, I was pleasantly surprised because I said on the preview show he may play, and you said, no, he's not going to play, and then he went out there and played. But, yeah, seven carries. I mean, I, I don't think he had to go out there and, and take that contact after the week he had against Miami, especially if he's still going to be above Rashad White on the death chart come week one. But, oh, well, who cares? He, he actually he actually dealt with a, a minor injury, did he not? He was he was dealing with an ankle injury? A uh, little bit, yeah. He ended up being ruled out for the game. Uh, him, him, Cam Gill, and Grant Stewart were the, were the three players that got injured during the game. Don't really have any updates. Don't really, it doesn't seem serious. Right, so, I think. Uh, but, I mean, at the, the end of the day. It's more of a precautious thing than anything. It's just... At the end of the day, though, we can agree he probably didn't need to be out there. No, I, I didn't yeah. even expect him to play. I said on the preview show I didn't think he was going to play. So um, I, I wouldn't play him next week. Good news, though, for the people who pray, uh, paid the price of admission. <laughs> I, I just thought this was funny and felt like it was worth bringing up. So uh, Leonard Fournette, Levante David, guys like Julio Jones, they put their pads on before the game, and they ran out of the tunnel with their pads on, and they warmed up with their pads on, and then they took him off and their night was over. And and I know that you would explain to me that like, yeah, they just want to kind of get used to warming up in pads again because it is a much different experience when you've got an extra 20 pounds on your shoulders. But like yeah, and, the, and the, you, have, you have a full uniform on like a just the idea that they get a full uniform on, go out there and go stretches. And then coach says, all right, your night's done. It, that was funny to me. Hey, and you get paid for it, so. Because the Bucks social media team had posted the locker room, and they posted the pads and the jersey of one yeah. Julio Jones, and a lot of people wanted to draw the conclusion that, like, okay, maybe he just gets a drive with Blaine. You know what I'm saying? And then you didn't see him at all. The snap count comes out. He plays 0% of the game. I I don't know. I'm just nitpicking, but I thought it was a little funny. Yeah, the the Bucks the Bucks release uh, a list of players who aren't playing at all uh, before the game, so... Uh... You know, if you guys are confused, just 
probably it's kind of like an inactive list, uh, like an hour or so before the game. Uh, and yeah, most of the bug starters are on there. So yeah. Uh, preseason football. <laughs> let's while we are talking about the offense though, let's take a look at this left guard spot and, uh, the center position. It's funny because I know this has been said on other podcasts, but when you talk about evaluating an offensive lineman in particular, it's not as easy to do as like a quarterback or maybe a running back you're looking at, because if you're trying to get a good look at the game, it can be tough to watch the trenches for an one player in particular for a set series of plays. Like that's, what's going back and watching the game again is for that's what film is for. But as far as the offensive line and the left guard spot, I know we talked a whole lot about Aaron Stinney coming into this one, but I think Nick Leverett ultimately got the upper hand because the starting lineup, if I remember correctly, was Stinney at right guard. Cause you know, no Shaq Mason out there, which is fine. First Stinney plugged and played during the 2020 Super Bowl run. And then you had Nick Leverett at left guard. And then you had the holding call on Aaron Stinney. And, and I really, really kind of think that hurt his chances because more and more people are talking about this Bucks coaching staff kind of being high on, on Nick Leverett and letting him get his feet wet a little bit more. But I, I don't know. What do you think of this? Robert Hainsey, not a whole lot to say. You know, had a couple of good blocks that I can remember. But if you don't hear their names called, you tend to assume that they're having a good night. And that's where I assume Aaron Stinney might be one of the more disappointing, uh, disappointing players coming out of this one. Uh, yeah, I haven't been able yet to watch the the film on it, but first impressions. I was I was watching Stinney and Leverett pretty close. I wasn't impressed with either one. Um, I didn't think either one was very good. Um, Stinney missed a block on I believe the opening drive, the screen pass to Giovanni Bernard. Stinney missed a block. Um, then later on, this was Trask. Um, hand the ball off to Keyshawn Vaughn, and Keyshawn Vaughn got hit immediately. Nick Leverett let the guy just right in the middle and kind of looked like confused. Um, I, I wasn't overly impressed with either one. Luke Gedeke was pretty quiet to me, so I guess you could say he had the best day out of the three. Um, but yeah, both of those guys, I think, need to pick it up a little bit more. And, um, like I said, I haven't watched the, the, the film, just from the broadcast, what it looked like to me on the broadcast. I, I wasn't overly impressed with either one, but it's you know still early, so it's not, not the end of the world. Yeah, you got a lot of time to figure out what's going to happen with this position battle, but I, I think the way that they roll out the starters next week isn't too important, but ultimately I think who's playing left guard with Tom Brady in that third preseason game is gonna that's be pretty. The, yeah. it, that that's. I, I feel like by the time that rolls around, they should probably have this battle wrapped up, because you're you know you're gonna see Hainsy out there with the ones. That seems like a given. But as of right now, if I had to rank them, I, I think it would go Leverett. As far as the left guard spot goes, I hate to say this, but I would say it probably goes Leverett, Gedeke, Aaron Stinney. Because again, I... when you highlight yourself with a penalty, it just, it hurts. Like it hurts the team. And like, yeah, there's missed blocks and going back and looking again is what film is for. But this is just, this, I mean, this is just how I feel. And I know those are all Stinney. obviously subject to change because just like all the battles we're talking about today, there's a lot of ground to cover, a lot more time to figure this stuff out. Stinney's also the most experienced one though. Um, so I think that gives him points as well. 
Uh, I think they may like trust him the most. I mean, they trust them enough to plug him in the Super Bowl run. So uh, they clearly trust them somewhat. Uh, so I, yeah, I don't know if I'd put Gedeke ahead of him. Uh, I I still wouldn't put Leverett ahead of him. I still think Stinney's probably the the front runner for that job, but just wasn't. Yeah, on you know, second thought, I probably wouldn't put Gedeke ahead of him either. Let me take just, that back. Just uh, yeah, I mean, just wasn't impressed with him, and it's it's like it's fine, just it's one preseason game, but um, you know, I'm and I'm sure they're gonna look at the film and uh, they'll they'll try to correct it. So let's take a look at the other side of the football here. The defense. What did you see from this unit? Uh, what did you see from the guys who were out there in the secondary in particular? And any other comments or notes that you may have? Well, the secondary was pretty disappointing to me. Um, Kyler McMichael wasn't that great. Um, I believe he had the one play in the end zone. That he broke up, uh, forced a, a field goal. Uh, you know, Zion McCullum rookie mistake on that one touchdown. Uh, he just kind of got burned there, a little blown coverage. Um, you know, it, he's a raw player. We talked about this, right? We, we've talked about this. Um, he, he is a very raw player, and I think he will get better over time, but it, it was a rough showing for him. Uh, other than that, a lot of guys were pretty quiet. Nolan Turner, pretty quiet. Like I said, Chris Cooper, uh, pretty quiet from the safety position. I think Rashard Robinson, um, he was playing corner as well. He made a few plays. Uh, but, yeah, overall, the secondary now, I mean, obviously, Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy, one thing, Jamal Dean didn't play. Ross Cockrell got beat on one route. I think it was a third down. Um, he's been having a pretty good camp, but obviously disappointed to see that, especially when he's likely to be their fourth corner. Um, as, so as far as the secondary goes, pretty quiet. Don Gardner almost got an interception. It was a, it was a close play. Actually, the one you want to talk about the Miami quarterback now. The the one like ill advised throw that he had was that one that was almost an interception to Gardner. Uh, just he wasn't able to get two feet down. But um, I, I was in, I was impressed with the defensive line. Uh, I as far as pressure goes, later on in the game they didn't get too much. But Anthony Nelson and, and Cam Gill, I see him mentioned in the chat here, especially Anthony Nelson. Uh, he was pretty impressive to me. Made a tackle for a loss for about three yards, and about two plays later had a sack for like a loss of 10 yards. So uh, if he can keep improving, and he's a guy that's, to me, he's improved a little bit every year. Uh, I still don't know if I believe in his pure like pass rush ability as that third edge rusher. Um, but I mean, if he can keep the steady improvement, it's hard not to see him get a shot. And maybe what if he goes out in Tennessee and does it again, right? Does that, does that give the Bucks pause to adding a veteran pass rusher? Do they not have to add a resource there? Because they have limited resources at this point. Do they not have to maybe add a resource there? Or maybe they need a backup offensive tackle and you can add a resource there or something. It, um, it's kind I was of a- pretty encouraged by Nelson. I don't want to say it's a weird evaluation, but when I think of Anthony Nelson on like a tier list of players, I would say he's like an upper echelon preseason kind of guy. Oh, yeah, he, he's, you know what I'm saying? He, yeah, he's too good for the preseason. Right. It, you know, like Pat O'Connor had a sack late in the game the other night, and, and I was thinking the same thing. I think Rondé Barber said it, but like I was surprised that Pat O'Connor was still on the field. Not to say that he doesn't need the reps, but, you know, it's one of those names where it's like when they make a big splash play in the preseason you're like well yeah that's it's it's kind of what that guy does and I'm sure it is encouraging to think of Anthony Nelson in that light because a year ago I probably didn't think of him in that way but 
I'm curious to see what he does throughout the rest of the preseason. But once the regular season does roll around, you kind of hope that you're not in a position where you roll him out there and he's just not effective. And then you spend half of the year thinking, man, we really could have signed just another veteran edge rusher to kind of take the load off. And that would have helped out a lot. Yeah. And another edge rusher that I think could impact things is Cam Gill. I thought he looked good as well. Um, yeah, I, I thought he, he looked good. He's another player who they've kind of slowly brought along. Um, so I was encouraged by, by what I saw uh, from him. And then obviously we have to mention the leading tackler on the defense from last night. This is going to be an interesting name here. So all right, are you ready? Here, here I go trying to say say this name. So it is Aluk. Oh my God, Alakunle Fatus Fatakasi. I don't know. Fat, sound like you're insulting me. Fatakasi. Well, what did maybe. you just call me? <laughs> Anyways, um, he led the team with six tackles. He's an inside linebacker. He's an undrafted free agent. So um, he looked good. He looked really good. Uh, he almost had an interception. He was all over the place. So this team, they didn't bring back Kevin Minter. Grant Stewart, I think at this point, is like a pure just special teams guy. Like, I don't think he can play like actual linebacker. Yeah, I don't think there's any crazy aspirations. Um, KJ Brith looked good, but like, you know, they need some inside linebacker depth. And Fatuski or whatever his name is, I'm just going to, I don't know what I'm going to call him. I got to come up with a nickname for this guy. Um, But uh, Fatakazi? Fatakazi, yeah, I, I guess. It's yeah, F it's like fat and then U K A S I. The fat kamikaze. There you go. That's his code um, name. Yeah, sure. But um It'll help you remember it, won't it? I guess, but someone help me say it. Like I don't have trouble remembering it. I remember that I can't say it. Um but uh yeah, I was I was really I was surprised by what I saw from him. He could be a pleasant surprise to make this roster if he keeps that up. Is he was he was all over the place uh in the third and fourth quarter uh on Saturday night. So if he keeps that up, they don't really have much depth on inside linebacker. He could very well earn earn himself a roster spot. You'd love to see it. This is the time of year where guys like that go out there and make a name for themselves, not only for the team that they are representing, but the rest of the NFL. Because if he doesn't end up on the roster and you put up some good tape you know how the game goes. Other teams are going to take a look at you. And at the end of the day for that individual player, that's going to mean success. And uh, you love success stories nowadays, but I think we've pretty much covered the wagon from, from last night's preseason game. I, I mean, it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot more to go super in depth with most of the main position battles we covered. And uh, most of the starters, like the guys who are going to be playing week one and affecting the game, well, point blank, you just didn't see a whole lot out of them. So yes, we still yes. have the rest and, of the preseason. Uh, TV12 Goatman brings up in the chat, uh, the Bucks do have to cut their roster down after this game uh, from 90 to 85 players. So that's five players that must be cut. Uh, I don't know who they're going to be. Uh, we'll see. Um, I'm sure it will probably be at some positions where they have a lot of depth. So maybe a wide receiver goes. Um maybe a tight end goes, maybe an offensive lineman goes. I I, I don't know. Um, we'll see, but they, they will have some cuts coming soon. 
it won't be any notable names. I don't think like, it won't be any, like, Whoa, that's a surprise. Like those, those come in the, in the final cuts, uh, which won't be until after the Tennessee game, but um, they do need to make some cuts. And um, overall though, you know, you think there's obviously always some things you need to work on. There's some things they need. Everybody needs to get better at, but um, I think you're, you're more encouraged if you're uh, a believer in Kyle Trask and a believer in Tyler Johnson, um, you know, in a believer in Anthony Nelson and Cam Gill, like you're, you're more encouraged after this game than anything. As we talked about, you know, there's some things you got to work on that left guard spot. I wasn't impressed. Um, you know, I, I, I think um, as far as the kicking battle, it, it's not over, but you know, it's, I, I still think it's, pretty even like i don't i don't think that kick really means a, a whole lot it's it definitely is, is gonna it's gonna impact some things for sure but I, I don't think that one kick can erase everything else that he did in that game so um there's definitely a lot of progress though and more positive i think than negative obviously it's a loss whatever who cares um but overall i i did come out of this game feeling better about guys like Kyle Trask, even Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> like, yeah, you, know, you yeah, no felt kidding. better. You felt better about Blaine Gabbert um, than you did going into this game. So uh, that's what the preseason is ultimately about. It doesn't matter about wins or losses. You're just hoping to feel better about the players that's on the team. And, um, you know, for the most part, uh, I was pretty, pretty impressed, you know, with the progress of a lot of the younger players on the team. And that's, like I said, that's what preseason is for. Join practices coming up later this week with the Tennessee Titans. Of course, we will keep you guys updated along every step of the way. Any cuts that may be happening, too, we'll be talking about the next time you hear from us. But with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire podcast. Thank you so much to everybody in our live audience who checked us out today live on YouTube. Kind of kind of just jumped on here with no notice. That's that's kind of how we roll. Um, hey, we, I, we had like 45 people in, in the live chat. Yeah, so pushing 50, man. We really appreciate it. you guys. Our buddy Wild Bill checking in. Tom, TB12, Goatman, Kevin, Pete Payne, the moderators who held it down. We truly appreciate you guys. Wild Bill says, let's just say the missed kick doesn't mean anything, but it doesn't mean a whole lot in the grand scheme of things. Ari, any assessment? Would have been nice to win, but nice as uh, nice as all is, it's preseason like summer league, exactly. I mean, this is the G League of the NFL. You're getting a uh, pretty good look at it. So <laughs> let's uh, let's get ready for joint practices this week. The first preseason game is in the books, and uh, hopefully by the time week one rolls around, we are a hell of a lot better with the game reviews. Because man, we were hey, just hey, hey, we were just kind of raw dog in this one. It's preseason for everybody. I I know. I promise you guys will be a little bit more organized in the future. Um, We appreciate you checking out the show this week. Find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show and, of course, Buccaneer News as it happens. Speaking of Bucs News as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucs underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. And check out his written work at BoxNation.com. What you're working on this week? Actually, I uh, had something go up right about when we started the show. So if you go to BoxNation.com right now, you can read uh, 
Uh, I listed four or five standouts from the game last night, and I'm going to be doing that for every Bucks game. I'm going to, after the game, I'll list four or five players that stood out to me, talk about them a little bit. Um, so go check that out on BucksNation.com. And like I said, should be up right now. Last but not least, find myself on social media at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. But that's the show, folks. Plenty of great things and uh, some hopeful feelings after last night's preseason loss to Miami. And we are just as excited to get things rolling next week against Tennessee. The absence of Tom Brady is obviously going to be a big topic this week for most of the media outlets. But uh, most level-headed people, you know the drill by now. We'll be fine. We'll talk to you soon. I'm your host, Rhett Matthews, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you next time. Until then, and as always, go box. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.